<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome or welcome back to the JKWD podcast. Hope you are having a good time wherever you are, even amidst your social distancing and leaving your house with four layers of t-shirts over your face. Uh, hopefully the last time you went to pick up lunch, they weren't trying to decide whether to uh, call the cops or hand over the order that you already paid for. Uh, Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. Doing good. <laughs> how about you? I'm doing all right. Getting a little batty over here. So, oh, um, hey. <laughs> I have that effect on a lot of people. You, know? you might be able to tell. Um, <laughs> we're brought to you today by our friends at Kettle and Fire, who will package up some bone broth and send it your way. If you're having trouble getting soup from the store, I don't know about where you are, but if we want to even just do the pickup uh, and not browse the grocery store aisles, we have to like, we have to order the day before and hope that they have whatever. So wow. it's about a 13-hour lead time uh, for for grocery pickup at this point. Uh, but our friends at Kettle and Fire will. Uh, just go grab it out of their own warehouse and ship it to you. And um, I've been seeing the, I've been seeing the shipping trucks up and down the street all the time. So we know that they are delivering. Um, if you want 10% off your order, use code better humanhood when you go to checkout. So that's kettleandfire.com K E T T L E A N D F I R E.com. Fill up your box when you go to check out. Use code BETTERHUMANHOOD. They will give you 10% off. So we have uh, Jane Carter on the show today. Uh, she is a yoga teacher, horseback and horseback riding instructor for, what we say, differently abled people. Yeah. She is a stress management coach in the uh, business field and she has an organization called the humanization project, which works to humanize uh, people behind bars. We talk a lot about uh, their <laughs> situation. Yeah. We might want to rephrase it a little bit <laughs> about humanizing people behind bars that would be people in, in prison. Us out here who are considering um, this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you want to be to rephrase it, but, but instead of I, removing have, stigma, how's that's that? That's the one. Removing yeah. the stigma of prison. Um, it all comes down to uh, helping people make better choices for uh each other and the world uh, is really you know, kind of what her overarching uh, milieu is. Did I use that word correctly? Sounds good to me. Okay. Um, if they we talk a lot about uh, we talk a lot about um, isolation and our current pandemic situation, particularly as it is playing out in prison systems and uh, for huggers. Um, like Kelvin and Jen. And <laughs> I'm a um, marked man. <laughs> yeah, I hug my friends and I miss that. But um, 
but I'm not going to go run, run next door and hug strangers. Like I wasn't before. Yeah. I'm yeah. Not going to have that issue, <laughs> but, but this is affecting, you know, the isolation is affecting a lot of us in a lot of different ways. So, yep. um, you're going to hear a lot of me, uh, engine in the beginning, uh, Kelvin kind of sat quiet for a little while. Um, I think at one point he even muted himself. <laughs> I, I don't know whether that was a, whether that was a sign that, that I needed to bring him in. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, I had noises and stuff about oh, Nicole, okay. so I just wanted to. Uh... Uh, okay, um, <laughs> uh, I wasn't. I, <laughs> you um. No hidden messages. I promise. Jeff. <laughs> you muted yourself, and then I, I started checking my phone to see if um, <laughs> to see if I was getting a text to say, "Hey, you let me talk, dude." <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, I was, but I found that was. I was completely into your conversation. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I'm going to shut up because now you're hearing me a lot again. Uh, and, and we're replacing music and the other title is you're going to hear Jim. so far okay thank you guys for having me on well thanks for joining us yeah <laughs> what time um, is it where you were uh it is noon oh okay where, where are you guys um we are on the east coast i'm in savannah georgia and kelvin's in the syracuse new york area ah okay cool okay <laughs> uh, i was worried that we were getting you up at six o'clock in the morning in oahu um oh yeah no i actually i live in richmond virginia now Oh, okay. That's, um, yeah. oh, that's a big time shift. Okay. It is a big time shift. Yeah. I much prefer the other time zone than this time zone, but but yeah, I'm back here. I grew up in Virginia. I was in Hawaii for about 12 years, but I've been back for a couple of years. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. yeah. So Calvin, I feel like, I guess people won't be able to see when it's the audio, but is that your real background behind you or is that like a Zoom background? That's a, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a virtual background. Ah. It, it is of a local, uh, that's our local Onondaga Lake here. Oh, it looks beautiful. <laughs> it, it looks beautiful. Uh, when Next time I decide to actually go walk by it, you know, when there's not 800,000 people that might be breathing me something harmful. Yeah. <laughs> well, and when it's not snowing again. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, oh. it actually is snowing right now here. So it's a, Oh, wow. So uh, that's kind of yeah. Syracuse is a wonderful place. It's a it's a, it's cool stuff. But yeah, so no, that's not my window. I discovered virtual backgrounds with Zoom, and I tell you, it's just a lot of fun sometimes. I feel yeah, like I got a great boardroom I put up when I want to be really snippety, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I feel like I could use a virtual background. I have a I have a hedgehog behind me, so that's what that is. <laughs> well, I, well, you know. 
that a head shop? Did you say a head shop? A head ho- hedgehog. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah. I thought you said I had a head shop. I'm like, really? So what are you selling? How, how, how about that cannabis oil? No. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not in Virginia, anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, all happy. right. Well. Welcome to the show. Usually what Thanks. we do is um, we start by, you know, rather than just reading your bio like everybody else could, um, <laughs> we ask you to introduce yourself, tell us what your mission is, and tell us why that's your mission. Oh, wow, yes. So, yeah, I'm Jen Carter, and my mission is to help the world feel better. Uh, and I do that nowadays by teaching yoga and meditation and teaching stress management and a few other things as well. But it's my mission, I guess it's kind of been my mission since I was a little kid in a different way, but I started out as a kid wanting to, quote, save the planet, and uh, grew up to become a scientist and was working in conservation for about 12 years, and um, had the realization that all the science in the world isn't gonna do it unless people wanna implement it and people wanna believe it, and, I had started teaching yoga kind of uh, on the side, uh, long story as to how I got into that, but um, I realized, you know, if people don't feel well, they don't make good choices. They don't want to make better choices and, and they don't think of each other and they don't think of the planet. And so to me, helping people feel better gets at helping the planet feel better because people that feel better make better choices for themselves, make better choices for each other and make better choices for the world. So that's kind of what I'm all about is helping people feel better. I do it in a bunch of different ways, but yoga and meditation is kind of the main way, I guess. Oh, cool. Thanks. Right. So it um, feels like there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to start trying. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and the reason it feels like there's a lot to unpack there is you, because you start to, you started in conservation, obviously, you know, climate science is important right now and uh for whatever reason uh we handle these things politically um which means that uh, it's just belief against belief and you know really science doesn't care science is going to just keep doing what science does because that you know yeah um but we're also in the middle of this like pandemic quarantine that we've been talking about every week because it's front of mind for everybody. Um, and not only is, is, is science sciencing, <laughs> um, but a lot of people are having harder times with their stress management and, and you know, they're not going to their yoga classes and right. <laughs> they're, you know, you know, our, we have a couple of local breweries that do, um, that do like a beer and yoga Mm-hmm. thing and now they're 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 going virtual with it right <laughs> um so so they're doing their classes on zoom i don't know about the local studios over here but yeah um so i guess where did you where did you kind of hit the wall with um studying versus implementing and what brought you into um you, you said you were kind of doing the yoga thing on the side. What, what, what made that kind of the, the thing to go forward with? Um, right. Yeah, there was a, a few different things involved as to how the whole whole shift happened. So, I had been in my science job 
for a while and we uh, were continually struggling for funding as a lot of science does you know is this um were you in a commercial lab or university so i worked for the smithsonian okay uh, and we were part of the national zoo but my boss and i were stationed in hawaii and it was just the two of us for 11 years. And we were the only two people in the world who were using human fertility techniques to conserve coral reefs. So we were basically, you know, just like a person would go to a fertility clinic and mm-hmm. get, you know, get sperm count and density and those things. And then maybe have their fer- sperm frozen so that you could use it later. We were basically doing that for coral. <laughs> and okay. we were in Hawaii because the, at the time when I started, which was 2005, the coral in Hawaii was quite healthy compared to the rest of the world. Um, And so we were developing techniques there and then using it to conserve coral all over the world. So we would go to the Caribbean and go to Australia and things like that. Um, But we were struggling for funding because even being part of the Smithsonian, you're still what's being called on soft money, right? So you're still trying to get grants and things like that. And so we had been struggling. There was a moment where we were struggling so much that my boss had basically said to me, Six months from now, we will have no lab. You should probably look for another job. And I loved my job and I loved my boss, but I had not been loving science as a culture, kind of um, mm-hmm. just for, for sure. various okay. reasons. And so I thought, I don't want to just get another science job. What else could I do? And I was in a yoga class with my yoga teacher one day, and as she was teaching, I was like, oh, oh, I could teach yoga. I used to be a uh, gymnastics coach for for a long time when I was younger and did gymnastics when I was a kid. But and so I, I took her out to, to dinner and started to say, I think I'd like to teach yoga. And before I could say it, she was like, yes, you should be a yoga teacher. <laughs> and so, so then um, we ended up getting funding at that time and the lab didn't close. So now I was certified to teach yoga and I still had my lab job. So I was working in the lab and then teaching yoga like a couple nights a week, like kind of just for fun. And then a few things happened. Um, there was one moment where I went, it was, we were still struggling for funding, you know, a different year, whatever. I went to a Super Bowl party and I love football. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, football is great. Went to the Super Bowl party and sitting watching the game and I was watching the commercials and I think we had just gotten rejected for a grant that would have been maybe like $500,000 and that would have funded our lab for like five years or something, right? And we had gotten rejected. And I'm watching this football game and I'm like, you're spending billions of dollars on this game. You're spending billions of dollars on these commercials and you can't give us $500,000 to save the coral reefs. And not even just $500,000 to save the coral reefs, like to make it so that we can all breathe in 50 years. Like people don't realize coral is just as responsible for our oxygen, the oxygen that we have in the world as the rainforest. So if it goes away, like just to be blunt, like we go away basically, right? And so I was sitting there like, where are our priorities? You know, if you can spend this much money in a football game, but you can't like conserve the planet we live on, like there's some kind of disconnect here. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking about that and just thinking, you know, the science can be there. And for the most part, it is. There's solutions to many of our problems out there and they're just not being implemented. We're not choosing to prioritizing, prioritize them or we're not choosing to believe them, right, at all. And so I started thinking, you know, 
maybe there's a different way to get at this. At that same time, I had been teaching yoga for a while then. I also teach uh, therapeutic horseback riding lessons to kids and adults with different disabilities, and I really enjoy that too. And I came home one day, I don't remember if I had come home from teaching yoga or teaching horseback riding lessons, but my boyfriend at the time, I came home and I started telling him about my students and like what they had done and all of this stuff. And I was like very animated and excited. And he stopped me and he looked at me and he said, you know, when you come home from the lab and I ask you how you're doing, you're like, eh, okay. But when you come home from teaching, you have to tell me about every single student and what you taught and what they said and all this. And he was like, you should think about what makes you happy. And so I started thinking about both those things together, you know, what's going to make a difference and what's actually making me happy. And I realized that by teaching yoga and meditation and all those kinds of things, we can help to get at people making those choices to um, to implement the things that the science is saying. The science is important and people should be doing it. If it had made me happy, I probably would have stuck with it. Um, but it wasn't making me as happy as teaching. And so I made that shift. But also... The way that I teach yoga, I teach a lot of philosophy and a lot of meditation, not just like let's, you know, sweat and make some poses with our body. I, mm-hmm. I teach it that way. And so I think those things kind of can help to inform people as to, you know, how to treat each other and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Have you started working? Are you, are you working your... Uh, kind of favorite science causes into into um, some of that philosophical teaching? Are you, you, are you uh, um, doing things like, uh, you know, trying to raise money for, you know, for the research and, and right, um, right. awareness you, on the side? I haven't been able to meld the two quite as well as I would like yet, mm-hmm. but that's definitely like in my vision. I'm still um, still kind of trying to get my yoga business built up a little bit more. Uh, and so a lot of times right now I'm, I'm really just working with clients one-on-one here privately in Virginia and, and stuff like that. But it's definitely, you know, I want a bigger vision soon. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so are you working one-on-one out of your home, out of a studio? Do you go to people's homes? How does that work? Yeah, so I I teach almost exclusively privately. I teach private individuals and groups and businesses. And I do go to people most of the time. Um, So I go into homes. Uh, I have some private groups where, like, like I have a group of ladies right now. They meet usually in their, um, like, their common area of their condo building, things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, right now I'm teaching in this room. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say, is that changed? Uh, now that we're kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah, it shifted a bit. But I've always taught privately online as well. Like I have clients in Seattle and South Carolina and different places, and um, so I don't mind that. But I've never done private or I've never done online group classes until recently. Um, so that's been a little bit of an adventure. But you know, so grateful that we have the technology that that can happen. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, for sure. Yeah. I also do uh, stress management workshops for different organizations, and I have a business partner uh, who works with me on that. So we give talks about stress and how it affects your body and uh, how it affects your business and then provide solutions for proactive solutions for how you can work on that. Are you seeing uh, an uptick right now um, at 
yeah, at this moment in history, are you seeing a, an uptick in stress or is that just kind of on hold because you're working with businesses and now everybody's going distributed? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm seeing an uptick in stress, but not seeing an uptick in bookings, right? Gotcha. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, you know, uh, as far as businesses and organizations go, like they're in sort of damage control and doing different things and not yeah. thinking like, oh, this would be helpful if we brought these people in right now, even though it would, but it's just not their priority at the moment. Uh, we've been working a lot with 911 dispatchers lately, and uh, we were putting together a program for them kind of to try to launch it nationally, and it's all been put on hold just because they're dealing with so much and don't have the time to yeah to work on it. Yeah. Wow. So how do you blend all of that? Um, it's interesting. I feel like I'm just constantly doing different things. I always say I have like adult career ADD. Like I like to be doing a bunch of different things. <laughs> and I feel like I, uh, you know, if I'm not doing a bunch of different things, I get bored. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, in addition to the things we've talked about, I also have a human rights organization that I run. So, you know, it's all kind of about just helping it's people. And website is an activist. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's much activist. <laughs> Activism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I, uh, <laughs> I spent the last couple of months lobbying at the Virginia General Assembly and thought we'd have a break from that <laughs> to focus on my, quote, regular business. And now uh, with everything that's going on, now we're advocating for the um, health and rights of people behind bars during the crisis. So mm. it has not taken a down turn and if anything, it's taken an upturn. So it's. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, you know, you know about the organization and then about the work and and then how it relates to specifically right now uh, the the health crisis that sure has sort of hit New York and it's going to hit. Uh, I don't know how it's been there. It's it's about to hit here in Georgia. Um, yeah, we've got yeah. One person who has tested positive in a county jail locally. So mm -hmm. that, that's about to. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it's been really interesting. So the organization that I have is called the Humanization Project. And our overall mission is to humanize people behind bars in the eyes of the general public. So most of the time, we're let we're telling their stories, we're doing interviews. Uh, we do interviews with people who have been behind bars and who have gotten out who are doing like great work in the world. And then we also do interviews with people who are still behind bars who are doing good things. Uh, and we talk to family members. Um, we're hoping to talk to other people involved in the criminal justice system that do different things just to humanize everybody kind of on all sides of things. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, it's really great work. I love doing it. I, I love talking to people and hearing their stories. And, and some, some people are so resilient and amazing. Like it's, it's incredible. But right now, with everything going on with the um, COVID-19 crisis, it's really showing the inadequacies of our prison system and our criminal justice system. Our prisons in this country are completely overcrowded. And so, you know, the whole idea of social distancing when you're behind bars, it's just a complete joke. Like it's completely impo impossible. I mean, you just think about like, you're basically stuck in what, maybe stuck in what amounts to like your bathroom with one other person uh, whom you may or may not like. And um, good luck social distancing there. Some of them are, are in more like dormitory style places where they're on bunks and 
They're telling him sleep head to foot, like that's going to fix it. I don't Anyway, so it's kind of a total mess. Um, and also just like, aside from the virus itself, like as a country, we're just warehousing people in prisons. It's costing the country billions upon billions of dollars. And most of the people, I would argue, usually don't need to be there anymore. There's all sorts of statistics. People age out of crime. Long sentences are not helpful. If anything, prison breeds violence. It doesn't fix the problem. You know, we could go on and on. But with the crisis now, uh, a lot of advocates around the country and, and a bunch of us here in Virginia are pushing to try to get people who will not be a threat to society released. And so we've had sort of different categories of people that were asking for release. Um, so we've been pushing for that. We had a press conference here yesterday with over 40 different organizations, including the ACLU um, and a bunch of different folks asking the governor of Virginia to use his power to, to help release some folks and then asking for releases in the jails as well, because that's a different system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just advocating for the people, whether they get released or not, but the people that are still behind bars right now and that will remain behind bars because it's, as you can imagine, it's hard to advocate for yourself when you're there and they're kind of at the whim of the department of corrections. And what we're seeing here anyway, I don't know how it's, I know kind of how it's going in other states, but I can't speak for them as on the ground. Our department of corrections is saying, we're implementing these CDC guidelines. This is what's happening. And I, I believe that they really intend their best and they think that they are. But then in each prison, we're seeing it's not actually being implemented correctly. The things that they say that they're doing are not mm-hmm. being done. Um, we're having some questions here about we have some prison industrial complexes where the prisoners work in an industry. It's really, really, that, that whole system is a whole other thing you can get into, right? They're working for basically right. like 80 cents an hour, and these industries are profiting like millions of dollars. Um, it's basically slavery. And that's everything from, you know, maybe customer service answering phones to making license plates and toilet so in, paper. In Virginia, and, I don't know that we have any customer service folks. We have license plates, yep. And we've mm-hmm. got like uh, print shops and milk plants and... Yeah, just different kind of industrial things. Uh, but at least maybe up until yesterday, they, they may have actually attempted to do something different yesterday, but they were having them go to work. And civilians are coming in who who knows if they're sick or not or carriers or not, exposing them, but then taking them back into their um, – into the prison mm-hmm. and separating them and, and, you know, claiming all these things for their safety that are basically just uh, inconveniencing them, not actually helping them and then sending them back to work where they can be exposed again. So we're seeing these like discrepancies and inadequacies. And so we're pushing for transparency and oversight and trying to figure out how to get that implemented. So what's it like, um, getting getting basic things like soap and hand sanitizer into prisons. I mean, is that, an, yeah, I know you can't speak for everywhere, but is that an issue in Virginia? Yeah, that's definitely an issue. So most of the time in prison in Virginia, you have to buy your own hygiene items. They come from a thing called commissary. Mm-hmm. So the guys that I was saying are in the industrial complex, they're making 80 cents an hour. That's the most you can make in a prison in Virginia. Most guys in Virginia have a more prison-related job, like they'll 
you know, one guy cleans the showers and some of the guys make the food and all the stuff. But the most you can make if you're not in an industry job is 45 cents in an hour, 45 cents an hour. Some of them make 15 cents an hour. Now, with that money that you make, you've got to buy like your own soap, your shampoo, all of your things, your razors, whatever it was you, you need for your hygiene. Um, some people have loved ones that can support them also, but a lot of people don't. And some people try to get a job within the prison and can't. Like, for whatever reason, maybe no fault of their own, maybe there's just no job open. So they're making no money. And then they're expected to pay for their own hygiene, right? And so, um, at least in the prison where I have access um, to what's going on, a couple days ago, they gave them a single bar, like a single little tiny hotel soap, and told them to make it last. So that was their, their attempt at giving them you know, something to sanitize with at the moment. Um, and that particular prison, they're claiming that the guards are sanitizing and the guards are actually telling us that they're not getting to. So yeah, it's, it's a challenge. It's difficult. It definitely can't like, if I was like, Oh, I want to send my partner some hand sanitizer. Like I can't, like you can't send anything into them. Like it all has to be ordered through the prison, um, through this commissary system, and so it's it's all a it's a racket, really, right? You know, right. people profiting off of all of it. Um, and so yeah, at the moment, it's it's. it's and I'm sure that the, and I'm sure that the prices are are competitive with, like CVS and right. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, for everybody listening, uh, Jen is shaking her head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. You know, this is a side of life that I haven't actually heard much about. Um, so, I mean, you know, you see things, you hear things, but yeah, you don't get these conversations. Yeah. And yeah. Really, I haven't really the, for these conversations, but it's like, you know. Yeah, so there's what, two sides of the prison too, right? There's the prisoner population and there's the guard population. Right. So the guard population who gets to go home gets to take whatever – They've got it home into the prison, whatever they get in the prison out with them. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and it's really, it's, it's detrimental to both populations. Yeah. You know, a lot of the guards, a lot of them are not nice, but many of them are, are people that, you know, need a good job and are doing mm -hmm. their best. And, and they're being, they're having to go into work, whether they want to or not right now, and they're risking themselves. And um, yeah, it's not, it's not good. It's not a good situation for anybody. So this population that you're that you're working to get released, the uh, I forget the term you use, but <laughs> I'm guessing it's close to like the not really dangerous ones. You know, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> still a loaf of bread or something, you know. What, um, you know, the general idea I have about prison, you know, you get out of prison and then you're like, well, what do I do now? Yes. So if you get them released. Yes. That's a great question. Exactly. So uh, the advocacy groups were working to, to, to advise on that as well. So there's avenues that the state could take. They could, um, they could put people up in housing. They could put people up in hotels. There's things that can be done. There's states who have used an eminent domain to put people in hotels or different facilities. We have some advocacy groups here in Virginia that they specialize in reentry and helping people when they come out. Mm -hmm. So we have some folks that have certain realtors and certain people that like, as soon as people come out, they'll rent to them. They know that they will. So there's ways around that, but it's definitely a consideration. And, you know, aside from housing, 
when you come out of prison, you are usually on parole or probation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you're being uh, monitored. And part of that monitoring is they want you to get a job, which aside from the crisis is a really big challenge when you come out of prison. As you can imagine, people don't want to hire people right. who have been in prison. Uh, but now nobody's working, right? Like there's the jobs are few and far between unless, right. you know, you might be able to get something that's very specifically, you know, for uh, dealing with the crisis, maybe. That was one of the things that the humanization tried to suggest to the governor was to say, these people that you're letting out, they'll work for you to help with all of this going on if you want to do that. I doubt that's going to happen. But um, but yeah, so all of that has to be considered. We don't want to just willy-nilly release people onto the streets and be like, good luck. (laughs) Yeah. You go, yeah. 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 So I was curious, and 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 they're doing that here, um, where we are releasing mm-hmm. the low danger criminals, and, and you know, uh, it's it's just kind of just kind of a weird dichotomy. It seems like every good move has a has a complementary. That's not it creates another problem. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I don't have ideas on any of it because I. You know, but it's just it's just questions. I know are going to come up, but it's like, well, so how are we going to handle that? Yeah, there's probably a lot of people in jail that really shouldn't be there. Um, gives us as a society a lot to work on, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's one of the things. You know, this crisis is is a mess, but I hope it's showing us places where we can improve things and things that really do need to change. You know, um, so how long have you been doing this kind of work, this advocacy? So the Humanization Project has been around for a, about a year, uh, and it's an uh, organization I started with my partner. So my partner is currently uh, behind bars here in Virginia, and so he and I run run the Humanization Project together. But we started it because he is a sociologist and studied uh, criminology and criminal justice before he got locked up, mm-hmm. and uh, he was doing a bunch of different things. So he has had a program going where he was pairing up people behind bars with first year criminal justice students. And they were writing letters back and forth to humanize people behind bars so they could see like, well, these are real human beings like families and, and all that. People don't think about that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he had that going, he was doing research. He had a research paper come out last year about the role of hope and purpose uh, behind bars. And, and we were getting ready to put together a book and <laughs> shooting a bunch of things. And finally one day I said, you know, I think we should just <laughs> make an organization out of, all of these things that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you can imagine it's really hard to get things accomplished from behind bars. Mm -hmm. And so I was implementing a lot of the things that he was trying to do. And so he's not giving you, they're not, they're not giving him the the, the zoom connections that you guys can just hang out. No, unfortunately. Well, so supposedly um, Virginia has video visits and they've had them for a while. And then I, I hadn't done them because we usually have regular visits, but, um, now that the crisis happened, they said, okay, you know, more video visits and they'll be more accessible. I have not been able to get the thing to work. I have not been able to get an answer as to why it's not working. The company that's profiting off of you doing the video visits is saying, you know, call the DOC. It's their problem. And then the DOC is saying, call this other number, call that other number. And then the number that's actually supposed to be able to help has had a full voicemail mailbox for about three months. <laughs> And it's very like Kafka-esque where you're just like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. 
But um, supposedly you're supposed to be able to video, video visit. I know a few people have been able to, to do it at different facilities, not the facility that he's at. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're always like, it freezes in the middle and then stops or you can't really hear it. Like, it's just a mess. So, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> no Zoom. <laughs> well, half solutions. So, wow. now, the, you know, the COVID crisis aside, Mm-hmm. Prison's a very high stress time for anybody. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, both people serving and their loved ones. Yeah. Um, how does that tie into kind of the other? You know, even even just in your in your brain or in your heart, how does that kind of work together with the other things that you're you're doing? I mean, you you, you said kind of like you have. Job ADD, but they, these all sound like to me like they're serving the same purpose just in different ways. Exactly. Yeah. Like to me, it's just all different ways to try to help people feel better, you know. And when people are behind bars and they can't advocate for themselves, something to help them feel better is knowing that people are out here advocating for them. When you have a loved one behind bars and you can't get an answer from the DOC and you can call me up and say, you know, do you, do you know what's going on? And is there anybody trying to help? And I can say, yes, here's what's going on. And we are trying to help. That's making them feel better. So like I always, in my mind, everything that I do from actually teaching physical yoga to Mm -hmm. teaching horseback riding lessons to, to doing this advocacy work in my mind is all yoga. So, you know, yoga, like I said, some people think it's just those like physical poses on the mat, but that's, that's an eighth of the actual practice of yoga. There's, that's one limb and there's eight limbs. And, um, and so the first two limbs of yoga start out just kind of telling you like how to be a nice person and, and how to treat yourself and how to take care of yourself. And then the later limbs of yoga get into the practice of meditation and what that means and how you can use it in your life. And so for me, yoga doesn't have to look like making fancy shapes with your body. Um, yoga is just being a good person and helping each other and realizing we're all connected. And, and part of the reason that I teach yoga, yoga privately is because each person or each group I, I encounter needs something different. And that's the beauty of yoga. Like, Josh, you might want to learn to do a handstand in the middle of the room. We can do that. And Kelvin, you might just really need to relax. And like, we can do that. You know, so you to me. You've been studying us? Maybe, no. That was a little on the head, but Have okay. you been in, been in my, my Zoom studio? I took a guess. <laughs> but yeah, so, so to me, then when I'm out in the world working with, you know, advocacy for people behind bars or working with um, people with differently abled bodies or anything like that. To me, it's, it's still, all, let's figure out, you know, how can we make you feel better? How, what do we need to do for you in this moment? And I love doing that. It's like, it's like a puzzle all the time. What can, what can I do to help right now? You know? So I want to rewind back about, 25 minutes when you sure. said Huge. that um, <laughs> um uh, when you said that when people are do. making a better when, when people do better for themselves they make better choices for others and mm. for the world um how does 
how does that work and how do you help bring that about and uh yeah kind of yeah where where do you tell people to start if they want to uh do better for others in the world yeah i mean it's still it's kind of gets at the same thing i feel like I, i say this a lot like again it's it's individual and and you kind of have to figure it out for each individual person you know like as far as feeling better we have to think about what is it that's not making you feel good in the first place, right? It mm-hmm. might be like mental stress. And so meditation, mindfulness might be the answer. It could be physical pain. You know, maybe you've had chronic neck pain for a really long time and we need to figure out how to, how to make that better. But when those things are going on, whether it's mental stress, physical stress, or, you know, emotional stress, whatever kind of stress, when you're dealing with those stresses and then somebody asks you to do something like, well, do I use this example a lot. So say that your knee hurts really badly and it just doesn't feel good to walk. And so you, you don't get around as well as you would like. And you're coming out of a, uh, some place and you've got a soda can and the trash can is like right there by your hand before you go to the car. But the recycle bin is like 20 yards down the sidewalk. And you're like, oh, I should recycle, but my knee hurts. So I'm just going to dump the can in the trash can. Right. And then make your way to your car. So even something as simple as that, you can see like when you don't feel good, it's hard to make that decision. Even when, even if you know what the right decision is, it's hard to make that decision. Uh, A few years ago, I had the pleasure of getting to go and um, visit my first boyfriend ever, (laughs) who was really, really sweet person. and, And still is a very sweet person. And he had gotten out of a relationship, ended up, uh, with two kids to take care of on his own. One of the kids wasn't even his child originally. Um, and he's still living in this really small town in Virginia. And his stresses can be trying to deal with the two kids. And I went down because he, he said he hadn't got to speak to an adult in like months. I have like a adult conversation. So we went down and had dinner when I was visiting my parents a few years ago. And uh, we had a drink and I said, where's your, you know, where's your recycle? where's your recycle bin? And he's like, Oh, I, I don't do that. And I was like, I wanted to give him a hard time because the conservationist in me is just like, do it. Although now, you know, recycling is a whole complicated thing and who knows if it's really being recycled, right. but, but I wanted to be, I want to say, you know, what's going on. And he said, well, to recycle in this town, I have to drive it 40 minutes to the other side of town. And I don't have time to do that. And, you know, I'm stressed because the kids and it's just not happening. And so, the more we can figure out how, how to feel better, which isn't really an individual thing. You know, what do you start with? I'm a big fan of starting with, with meditation and mindfulness. I think no matter what's going on, those can help people out, but it is, it's, you know, it's kind of, you have to do what makes sense for you. But then as far as what to do to help out again, that's, that's personal as well. You know, what can you do? And, but, but just starting small and even just thinking, is there like one small thing I could change? in my life today that might help be helpful. Can I recycle? Can I purposefully use a little less water? Can I try to get um, things in packaging that I don't have to throw away or, you know, it's just small things, but, but just take the steps that you can do and and try not to get overwhelmed. I think it's important. Yeah. And uh, yeah, obviously the desire to change something outside yourself is a, not something that everybody has, especially right now. Although, mm-hmm. yeah, I think one of the things we're seeing right now is a lot more 
um, one-on-one kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how it is for you. Um, you know, Kevin and I talk at least once a week. So we've been, um, you know, so we have an idea how it is for each other, but hey, you know, we, um, I'm finally starting to meet the neighbors. I, I didn't know. We, yes. You know, uh, we, we made it a point when we first moved to the neighborhood and we had our house warm and we invited the whole street mm-hmm. and some of them came out and um, they were surprised to be invited. And some of the people who didn't come out came over later and said, Hey, I was surprised to get your invite. I um, couldn't make it. I'm sorry, but I wanted to introduce myself. So, so we know, we knew a lot of our neighbors, but I met, I met people two doors down last night um, you know, we're happen to happen to be out walking the dogs at the same time. Yeah, I've got an elderly neighbor next door. Um, you know, we always call before we go to the grocery store. Hey, mm. You know, hey, do you need anything? Yeah, I got a single mom two doors down who's going nuts with her mm. two two girls at home. Yeah, um, homeschooling and trying to get out in the um, yard to do a little yoga after after everything. Um, just you know, we check in on them and. Yeah, everybody. Everybody loves the puppy and the baby. So you know, <laughs> we, you know, we should we share at a yeah. <laughs> at a safe distance. Um, yeah. What do you hope we? What do we? What do you hope we learn from this? Yeah, my my neighborhood is 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 kind of the same. I've met people that I definitely have learned more names now. You know, just the people that used to just say hi have now introduced mm-hmm. themselves, which is nice. Um, I hope that we really see how connected we all really are and how we need to be connected. We talk about that in yoga, you know, we recognize that, that we are all, all one. Right. And uh, I think this virus is showing us that, you know, I hope people are realizing what you do affects another person. Like if you are a carrier and you touch something and then somebody who's immune compromised touches it, they could die. Right. So the choices that we make directly affect other people. That's true all the time, not just during this virus crisis. The choices you make on a daily basis affect other people, whether you realize it or not. Um, I sometimes I haven't taught in a while, but I used to teach a workshop about choices and how choices create our reality and choices create, you know, what's going on in our world. Uh, And so I hope that people are seeing, you know, the choices that you make affect other people and affect the planet. And I hope also that people can see, you know, it's it's meant to be that way. Like we need to be connected. We need connection um, with this isolation. I hope people are, are seeing, you know, all this being on the phones and being disconnected from each other mm-hmm. doesn't really feel good. You want to reach out. You want to you want to have real human contact. And I hope people are, are appreciating that and feeling the need for that now, too. Yeah. Kelvin, you're a hugger. Do you want to talk about how that's <gasps> affecting you a little bit? I'm a hugger too. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't like it. Oh, you don't like yeah, it? Okay. We had, no, no, no. We had, uh, I'm a oh. Toastmaster, right? So we have our Toastmaster. Oh, cool. Our Toastmasters group is very, very, very close-knit group. group. Yeah. And there's this one woman in the uh, in the club. Her name is Ruth Parmenter. Ruth Parmenter is, her husband's 91. All right. So <clears throat> she's, 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 and she is my friend. Um, and before we abandoned our meetings uh, about 20 seconds ahead of the restaurant going, you can't come here no more. 
Because <laughs> my thing, I'm known as the I'm known as the district hugger. I hug everybody who will stand still long enough to get hugged. Yeah. So whenever I go into a meeting, Ruth is like, Kelvin, get over here. Give me my hug. And I'm like, Ruth, we can't do that now. We gotta maintain some distance. And yeah. and she says, I don't want to hear any of that crap. Come give me my hug. No. Okay, okay, but when I come over, we can't breathe. She said, right. Okay, but get over here. All right. <clears throat> so it's just just fun. But yeah, I miss that. And I'm a yeah. I'm a social eating guy, right? So yeah. I like meeting my friends for breakfast or lunch and having that kind of, that's how, I mean, Josh and I did that for one of the reasons we have this podcast was because we used to do that here mm-hmm. when he was living here and we could go have lunch every, every couple of weeks, you know, most. And then, then he moved to uh, Savannah. That's a tough trip to make it. Yeah. That's a, it's a long way for lunch. Yeah. yeah. It's a long way for lunch, but yeah. So, so yeah, I'm definitely that guy and, and you know, me and, uh, and uh, what's that book about, uh, I forget it. I can't think of it right now. Love languages. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely a hugger. And so I'm, I'm, I'm missing that and I'm, I'm good on the phone, but you know, yeah, I'd much rather be in person. We need to get back to work, get my hug time in. Yeah. I'm a hugger too. So in Hawaii, uh, as a culture, not just Hawaiian culture, but local Island culture, Mm -hmm. everyone hugs and kisses on the cheek. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as you meet someone, you don't shake hands. You hug and kiss on the cheek even if you've never met the person in your life, you know. And so I'm very used to that. And then now that I move back to the mainland, I have to like remind myself when I meet brand new people that they might not want to hug. So it's like. Eh. And now I think they told somebody told me that France they kind of outlawed that whole kiss on the cheek thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. <laughs> so much of that, but yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm definitely that guy, and I don't. Um, and and I observe other people and when they've got issues with, you know, distance and personal zones and stuff mm-hmm. like that, that's all fine. But generally speaking, people gravitate to me. And when somebody needs a hug, I'm the guy. Yeah, yeah, I me should, too. Char- I should charge for it, you know. Right? I'd get rich. But, you I know, have but. some friends here that they, they, only, they only allow hugs from me. And it's funny because we'll be in like a group of people and I'll see one of them. I'll give them a hug. And then right. somebody else will be like, I thought you didn't take hugs. And they're like, no, no, only hugs from Jid. <laughs> so I have, we had this one guy in our Toastmasters club and he talked about me being the district hugger. And he says, and I'm a man, I don't even like hugs, but I'll hug Kelvin. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the other um, things that I do that I hadn't talked about yet was I, I do Hawaiian Lomi Lomi, which is uh, Hawaiian healing arts. And it looks okay. kind of looks like a massage, but it's mm-hmm. a lot more to it. Uh, there's a big talking component. Like I right. talk to you first. I can't just say, oh, your shoulder hurts. So I'll get the knot out. It's like, what's going on in your life? You know, why does your shoulder hurt? That kind of thing. But at the end of a session, you know, I've been stretching you. My friends call it lazy yoga. You lay there and I like do do a bunch of stretches for doing all these things. And at the very end, I have people put their arms out like this. I'm, okay, this is the most important part. And then I just give them a hug. And when it's the first time, they're like, what is going on? And they're like, oh. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I say that's the most important part of the whole the whole entire session is just yeah, having a hug. I, I, I always considered hugs, you know, from, from good people to be like the last non-sexual mm-hmm. um, expression of, of affection and 
it's just I can't hug. I'm 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 a little bit handicapped here. But I got four stuffed animals downstairs, so I'm a Reiki practitioner. So one every oh. while I have to hug one, and give them Reiki. So and then we'll just farm them out to somebody. But <laughs> oh, that's cool! You do Reiki. That that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, there's an yeah. energy work component to the Lomi Lomi work yeah. as well. So Absolutely. that's really cool. So yeah, so that's me. So we 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 I don't know when we're gonna get back to being able to hug again. Yeah, I but, hope it's uh, sooner than later, but I don't know. It ain't. Uh, it ain't. It ain't worth going to the hospital for. <laughs> no, that's for sure. That's for sure. It's like if you're trying to make someone feel better and you stick them in the hospital, that you've just yeah, you know, a, undone all the work you tried to do. Yeah, that's a bad thing. <laughs> I'm already down to only using half a breath when I go outside, anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. <laughs> but, yep, that's me. And Josh is not actually a hugger, but I think uh, yeah, I, I hug my friends. I, yeah, you know. I hug my friends. I hug my family. I, I don't, yeah, everybody else. I'll, you know, I'll wave at you. They don't actually <laughs> see the force field that comes up when they come. <laughs> like, oh, you're a hug. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy stuff. It's crazy stuff. So. Um, that's it. But yeah, and yeah, I think. I went to Kauai uh, a couple mm. years ago and when I came back, we did a, you, know, you, you talked about you know, being connected. I think we did a, uh, we did a, an episode just on like Aloha, right? Which is, a, oh, cool. you know, shared breath, basically like a recognition that we're all checking this. <laughs> I think even now <laughs> it's even more now, right? We're, you know, we're yeah. talking about share, sharing air is like, yeah. Oh, like actually the things I breathe out, you're breathing in. Exactly. Like we can see this. Yeah. You know, this is, yeah, it's how this disease spreads, but it's how, but it's how like our life force spreads from, yeah. Yeah. In our circle. And, you know, right. Totally. Yeah. From a yogic perspective, you know, we talk about breath work, but we're really meaning energy work and, and the breath we share is really that sharing of, of energy. Um, and on a Hawaiian level, when you on Kauai, did they, um, did they do, did you see anybody do a honey where they actually like push their foreheads together and breathe in? No. So yeah. So local Hawaiian culture is when you greet hug, kiss on the cheek, but Hawaiian Hawaii, like actual Hawaiian culture, they have a greeting where instead of hugging, shaking hands, any of those things, what they do is you touch your forehead together. It's like very kind of an intimate greeting. You touch your forehead together and you both breathe in. And it's called a honi. And it's like the the ancient Hawaiian way of greeting. Wow. And so before I became a Lomi Lomi practitioner, I had had someone uh, work on me and then he invited me to this event. And I met the woman who... I didn't know at the time was the teacher of their school and I didn't know she was the teacher, but I had got to this event and I, I felt like one, the only white person there. And I felt like I stood out and I got like blue hair and like, you know, these, they're having this like cultural event and I'm trying to be. Oh, I didn't notice it was blue. Check oh, yeah. Yeah. It is. <laughs> wow. And so, <laughs> So I'm like trying to be inconspicuous. I didn't know really anyone. I knew one person. And when I got there, I was like, okay, this is a cultural event. They're going to honey me. Like they're going to do this thing. And I'm like, not, I like hugging, but I'm not used to like, you try not to headbutt when you do it. It's kind of like a, <laughs> kind of a crazy thing to do. Like, oh, they're going to do this thing. And so I had, I knew one guy there aside from the person who invited me and he walked up and he and I honeyed and I did it successfully and we didn't bump heads. And I was really proud of myself. And then a couple other people met me and did it. I was 
feeling pretty good about it because I hadn't done it that much. And then this woman, we had this whole interaction and then during this ceremony, and then she comes up to introduce herself to me and we started to honey with the foreheads together. And then we both changed our mind and decided to hug and kiss on the cheek. But she went to one side and I went to the other. And instead of kissing on the cheek, we kissed smack on the lips. <laughs> <laughs> she's like this amazing, like big, beautiful Hawaiian woman. And she packs up and just laughed like the best laugh I've ever heard in my life. And then she just goes, that was great. <laughs> like, oh my God. And now I'm all and then she's like, hi, so I'm the teacher. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my. Hi, I'm the one who was going to hide in the corner. I guess I don't have that option anymore. <laughs> right, exactly. And then she ended up uh, inviting me to come see the school. And that's how I got into into all of it. But <laughs> it was wow. very funny. Oh, that had to be uh, – that was my kind of moment, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was hilarious. And, like, I always love moments that then turn into great stories, you know, and – and like now she's uh, one of my teachers and a big part of my life, even though I don't get to see her much. And mm-hmm. I love that that was our like beginning. And she thinks it's hilarious too. She's like, that was just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll get back to those <laughs> one of these days. One yeah. of these days. Yeah. This stuff can't last forever, right? Yeah. Here's hoping. Yeah. So. Uh, All right. Thanks, guys. So, so now the, get- uh, go ahead. I was going to say, so you got any other passions you haven't shared with us at this point as far as your (laughs) activism and so forth? Um, As far as activism goes, I think think we've pretty much covered it. (laughs) Pretty busy with that one. Uh, I like to get back to more uh, advocacy as far as the environment goes. I I don't want to go back into science, Mm -hmm. but science communication, I think, is really, really important. There's a lot of important science going on. There's a lot of lack of ability to explain that important science to the general public. And I think that's really important and something that I wanted to get back into. Well, I could use a little explaining myself because I, <laughs> I tend to not get real deep into things. That I mean, there's so much right now um, in the world that you can completely get absorbed into. You can't do it all. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, one of the reasons that I like Josh is because he's got a whole head full of stuff that I have no compulsion to know. So I just go, <laughs> Hey Josh, what about this? And then yeah. he's got to break it down. So to kill yeah. them. And then, then I, yeah, I have the rabbit hole problem where I go and I'd learn as much as I can about it and yeah. simplify it. So, you know, I might read five books and come out with like three sentences and yeah. Yeah. It's that really worth the time. <laughs> The simplification process is yeah. what a lot of people don't do. And they exactly. Just back what they just read, and I'm like, that doesn't sit on to me. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and that's, that's what I feel is lacking, you know. There's a lot of scientists who do a lot of amazing things, and not to rag on scientists, but they can't explain it to your average person to save their right. life. And when you start right. talking over people, that doesn't help, you know. Right. You have to be able to break it down in a way. Oh, he's that, just trying to be snippy. No, exactly. those are the words he knows. Yeah, exactly. Girl. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You got to talk um, to other scientists can understand what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, there, there's kind of this this in between. Uh, you said your partner's a sociologist. Like, there's the, this kind of like in between. Um, you know, not exactly a hard science, um, 
but don't tell him that he gets but, upset. Well, but I mean, some of some of you know, some of sociology is hard. Some of it is not. If you look at like, but yeah, I think there's this kind of new kind of in between um, realm where you got thinkers like Eric Weinstein and and Nassim Taleb who um, like have these great huge overarching ideas and they they've got the big words but they 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 try to their version of simplifying it is writing 600 pages of small words right um and, <laughs> and it also poses a problem <laughs> um, so it's okay. like yeah, well we we can simplify this and make it short i'm like no no, no you, you, the way you made it short is not is not simple yeah um so, uh, you know, I wonder if this is a time when we can get those people together, <laughs> um, you know, and, and say, okay, well, y- you've got the, you've got the big concepts and you've got the words that everybody understands. Can yeah. you explain it to, to that person over there? Yeah. Um, cause, cause now you have time to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we should like, we should have a, a group of, of like bridge people, people that can understand all of the the whole thing and then make that bridge to break it down to other people who need the simplified version. That would be good. Yeah, they have that in computer science. You got the programmer and then you got the guy who explains to the the mm-hmm. guy who's got to translate what the customer wants to the programmer mm-hmm. and then what the programmer <laughs> just said. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, like translators. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. We just have scientific translators. <laughs> right. <There you> go. <laughs> like blah 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 blah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. So cool. <laughs> All right. Um, so this is the part where we usually say, Hey, um, is there anything we forgot to talk about that you wanted to talk about? Oh my goodness. No, I, I feel like we did really great, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, can, um, I can always keep you... talking, but where do you hang out online? Where would you like people to find you? Yeah, so it's it's really easy. My website is just gincarter.com, and it's G-I-N like the drink, and then last name is Carter, C-A-R-T-E-R. So gincarter.com. And two things, I guess, that are most relevant to check out there right now is if you do gincarter.com slash online, you can see when I'm doing public classes online. And I'm shifting the public classes out of Zoom right now, but they're on Facebook and Instagram um, a few times a week at public classes. And you can also connect with me to do private sessions and stuff like that. And then I am launching a podcast right now also. And so that is at jencarter.com slash the blue. And it's called the blue. And the idea is that we're getting deep into subjects that people haven't thought about before. And uh, the, the preview episode is up on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And the new episode should be up later today, the first episode. And, um, yeah. And so you'll have another episode probably by the time we launch, because we'll come out about 10 days from now. Yeah, we're going to be doing every other week, so that'll be about right. Yeah, 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 totally. Great. Well, thank you again for being here. Thank you, guys. uh, Have a wonderful day. You too. It was nice connecting with you both. Eh, come on back yeah. sometime. We're, we're, okay. We're here. Yeah. We're here. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Enjoy your day, my friend. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
Better Humanhood production.